Welcome to the Revelation Project Podcast. I'm Monica Rogers, and this podcast is intended to disrupt the trance of unworthiness and to guide women to remember and reveal the truth of who we are. We say that life is a revelation project, and what gets revealed gets healed. Welcome to another edition of the Revelation Project Podcast. Today, my guest is Karen Anderson. Karen is leading the conversation about the importance of healing generational wounds between mothers and daughters and using this challenging relationship as an opportunity and a catalyst for growth, leadership, wisdom, and creativity. She is the author of several books, most notably, Difficult Mothers, Adult Daughters, A Guide for Separation, Liberation, and Inspiration, and the Difficult Mother-Daughter Relationship Journal, A Guide for Revealing and Healing Toxic Generational Patterns. Her recent inspiration is the creation of a free community project she calls The Mother Load. In it, she'll be highlighting 20 creative women who have learned from their mothers about emotion, power, and creativity, and how to apply it in the service to their lives, relationships, and work, and why it matters. Karen challenges the current patriarchal definitions of emotion, power, and creativity, and notes that for millennia, women have been burnt at the stake, literally and metaphorically, when we wield our emotions, power, and creativity intentionally. She acknowledges the many women in our maternal lineages that have suffered mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically as a result of the unexpressed emotion, the unused power, and the untapped creativity within them. The mission of the motherload is about changing that dynamic forever. Please join me in welcoming Karen Anderson. Hi, Karen. Hey, Monica. How are you? I am great. I am so glad to be here with you today. I'm so glad you're here. I cannot wait to talk to you a little bit more about the just origin of motherload, kind of where it came from and the inspiration behind it. Well, you know, I've been I've been doing all of this, you know, writing and coaching and reading and talking with women over the years. And let me back up and say that last year, um, I was asked to be a participant in two community projects, very similar to the Motherload, but about, you know, different subjects. And I enjoyed the experience so much as a participant that I decided I wanted to um, host my own. And you know, I decided that I was going to be doing it this June. I, mean, I decided this last year. Um, and so, you know, in, in the intervening months of, um, you know, having decided that I'm going to do the project and then, um, you know, having the mother-daughter journal come out and then having, you know, written and um, the, the, the Overcoming Creative Anxiety book comes out June 16th. You know, I started to see like what what's the connection between, you know, maybe a difficult mother relationship and creativity. Like, wait, wait a minute, how do these two things go together, and why is this woman writing about difficult mothers and creativity? Yeah. And so, you know, the more I thought about it, the more I, you know, started to think about, you know, like how how do I define creativity, and you know, what did I learn about creativity growing up? 
And, you know, the way I define creativity now is that it is, um, creativity is the ability to summon emotion in your body on purpose, intentionally, in support of what it is you want to see in the world. And we tend to see creativity as being, you know, oh, that's about singing or dancing or art, you know, drawing and artists and singing, you know, those kinds of things. And those certainly are creative pursuits, but I see creativity as being more divine than that. Mm. And, but at the same time, also not inaccessible or mysterious or elusive. It is simply, you know, our, our emotions are what drive us. They're the fuel of our lives. Well, and I love, yeah, I was just sorry to interrupt. I was just going to say, I love the intentional word, word summon. Yeah. And we're taught, right? I mean, again, you know, the, the question that's sort of at the heart of this project is what did your mother teach you about emotion, power, and creativity? And in some cases, it was totally unintentional what was taught, probably most cases. The more I talk to women, especially women of a certain age, you know, emotion was not seen as something that's powerful. It was seen as something that's weak. It was something that's seen, seen as inconvenient. We don't have time for that. You know, stuff those emotions, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, it doesn't matter, right? Like, that's just like, it's not about emotion. That's not what life is about. Life is about producing. It's about thinking. It's an intellectual, pers- you know, that kind of thing. Well, yeah. And I was going to say, too, that's where the kind of the patriarchal, you know, like definition of it comes up. Yeah. And when I said before about it being divine, I'm not a super religious person. I'm not religious at all, to be honest. But, you know, my relationship to whether you want to call it God or the universe or a force or, you know, whatever, love, you know, there's that line from, I guess, maybe it's the Christian Bible, which says that, you know, God created us in God's image. Mm -hmm. And if you think about that, he, he, it, she, (laughs) they, they created they created us and their image. Mm-hmm. And so what does that mean? Like we're an extension of that power. It doesn't mean we're an exception to it, right? And that's like people will be like, oh, you know, she's saying we're God. Yes. Maybe we are, right? Maybe we ha- we're an extension of that power. And nobody likes, you know, a lot of people don't like to think that we have that much power. Well, this conversation is so in line with pretty much every episode that I record. What we're unpacking is all of these various ways that we've been taught. And in fact, one of those things that you're really pointing to is this idea that the divine is somewhere out there versus you know, within and that, you know, if if that in, that is in fact true, that we each are, you know, carrying that divine spark within ourselves, then it certainly changes the whole dynamic of how we think about ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was I was having a conversation with some women the other night, and we were talking about shame, right? I mean, shame is just so rampant. And It's how we were kept in line. It's, you know, on the one hand, I want to say sometimes like, well, shame is terrible. We should not feel shame. That's bad. You know, it's horrible. It's, it's, you know, it's crippled so many of us. And if I look, if I can sort of like pan out a little bit and I look, you know, I look at where we are as a, you know, as a people, as humanity, 
right? There's a lot of amazing things that we've accomplished over the course of civilization. I mean, just like think about all the amazing things we have and that we're able to do. And at the same time, at what cost? And does the future require us to carry on in the same way, which again, I think, you know, on a micro level, I mean, you can look back at, um, you know, at one time, shaming was considered Mm -hmm. good parenting. (laughs) Right? Or, you know, I don't even know if they would, you know, if that's what they were saying at the time, but it's sort of like obvious that that was considered like, that's how you keep your kid in line. That's how you keep, you know, your kid from, um, you know, doing bad things and, you know, go to school and get an education and get a job and get a husband, you know, all right, that, that stuff. control tactic. Right. And it worked. But at what cost? And is that required for us moving forward? Yeah, well, and I love I love this conversation, too, because what it's really also, you know, pointing to is this unintended impact or or maybe intended, but I don't I don't necessarily look back at my, you know, relationships with my parents and think that they knew that they were using it as a tool that was going to really wreak havoc later on in my life as it related to things like my relationship with my body, my relationship with my, Mm. my own sense of autonomy, even spiritual autonomy, you know, which is something that you talk talk about in in the sense of, you know, I too am not religious, but I find that so much of my upbringing was kind of around this, this is the path you follow, this is what we do, and anything outside of this, you should be ashamed of. And it's Mm -hmm. really interesting when we start to look back at, you know, emotion, power, and creativity, and how all three of those were repressed uh, as, you know, and again, like, I want to mm-hmm. say, like, especially for women. And I think that that's true. Because there's something here, too, for me around, you know, that was not necessarily, I know, for a lot of men, emotion is not allowed either, right? But you also kind of talk about power in its truest sense of the word. And so I want to get curious here and say, like, okay, what's your definition? So I, uh, there's a, a great online resource, and I'm going to forget what it is right mm-hmm. now, but it's something like etymology online. And it's, you know, it's all about the history of words. And I looked up the word power one day, and it mm-hmm. says simply to be able. And I'm like, yeah, that, that's what power is. It's the ability. It's to be able. I love that. And that's so simple. And we don't think of power that way. I mean, again, is power has sort of got this, you know, corrupted definition, power over, you know, control. And how about then, you know, how it's related to, to creativity? Well, like, talk more about the interplay between these, these three as you see it. Yeah, so emotion is, you know, we, I think, again, we have, we're, we're emotion for most of many of us is mysterious, or it's, it's misunderstood, it's confusing, it's scary, it's, you know, we don't really understand it. I like to see I, a distinction, I guess, then would be feelings, right? Feelings are the literal sensations in your body that you may be aware of or you may not be aware of, again, depending mm-hmm. on how much you've learned to repress, right? And 
we then label those sensations with a word, like an emotion word. So the feeling might be like we were just talking about shame. So for me, when I experience shame, I usually feel sort of like a hot prickling on my face and my throat feels um, sort of thick and tight. And that, that, those sensations I label as shame. When I feel, you know, a warmth in my chest and expanding, you know, sort of like an expansiveness that rises up and, it, and sometimes it, I feel it on my skin a little bit, you know, that's joy. That's the, you know, those sensations I label joy. When I have my heart starts to pound and I'm breathing shallowly and my knees feel weak and like I, my, my joints feel like rubbery, that's anxiety. And that's, for me, that the, the practice, this is what I've, I've learned over years of like paying attention to the sensations in my body. Mm-hmm. And, you know, anger has its sensations. And so emotions are the literal sensations of feeling in your body that you can label with a word like happy, sad, glad, mad. And being a word person, there's so many wonderful emotion words and, you know, like flavors and shades of shades of different, you know, meaning there. So that's what emotion is. And we often think that emotions just happen to us. But I have learned that I can summon those emotions purposefully. I believe that they don't just happen to us, we create them. And we create them with our minds. And our minds, I don't mean just our brain. I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, our brain and our nervous system. It's, you know, it's, it's what we're constantly sensing. And then we're also constantly making meaning, right? We do have a brain and, we, you know, we do have a prefrontal cortex and a, you know, an amygdala, which is our lizard brain that, you know, is scanning the environment constantly. So like all of that input is what causes our emotion. And knowing that, we can be more intentional with it. And so the interplay then is we've got the emotions and then we have the power, which is the, you know, the ability to summon in support of what we want to create. And sometimes creation is going to be writing a book. Sometimes it's going to be making a podcast. Sometimes it's going to be having a relationship with somebody. Sometimes, you know, I mean, it's, we're just creating all the time. You know, we're creating our experiences as we go. I love this so much it, because there's also what's coming up for me is in the realm of when I think about how as women, we've been kind of taught to, as you said, you know, look at emotions as weak when in in all of kind of the the wrong ways, like we've we've run from them versus, you know, embrace them or you know, are willing to sit with them and be with the wisdom that they have to teach us, to bring us and to lean into them versus to fear them. And what you're talking about is kind of this idea of these bodily sensations. I often will think about my own traumatic childhood and think that it's true that at some point I kind of numbed out so that I would not have to feel the intensity of those sensations so deeply and that at one point in my life that served me and was paramount to my survival. But what I realized later in life is that 
that was numbing out like that was no longer in service to who I wanted to be and what I wanted to create. Yes. Yeah. Ditto. Yeah. So, so <laughs> talk more about that and how, and just how you really, because what comes up for me is then helping women to actually be with difficult sensations is probably a big part of helping women. Yes. I, you know, one of my mentors says life is 50 50, right? You know, you know, 50% of the, and you know, all right, at different times, it's different ratios or whatever. But you know, half the time, it's great, we have great experiences, we feel good. And then you know, half the the other half is mm-hmm. like, we feel like ass like just, yeah, <laughs> right. And then but what? And then what happens, though, is we judge that. And we think there's something wrong with us. That we are, you know, experiencing shame or, you know, whatever, whatever those, you know, quote unquote negative emotions are and guilt and regret and disappointment and frustration, you know, like those. And we automatically mean that the, oh, that must mean something's wrong. What I'm also kind of really looking at are the two buckets of just good or bad, right? Like all these emotions that exactly. feel uncomfortable yeah. Yeah. or that I'm calling uncomfortable, I'm putting in the bad category and the don't go there category. But then I'm wondering <laughs> if I'm unwilling to go there, why I'm not having more of the good emotions. And, and it's kind of like they need each other in order to in order for us to feel yeah. kind of all of these, this arc of experience. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, the the concept that you can't have, you know, up without down, um, you know, the more you're willing to experience the so-called uncomfortable negative emotions, the more capacity you have for the other. And, and also understanding that for some people, the quote unquote, positive emotions are can also be uncomfortable. It's sort of like, um, oh, you know, that, um, you know, Brene Brown talks about it, the foreboding joy, you know, oh, wow, everything is <laughs> yeah. so great. You know, the shoe's about to drop. So we can't fully enjoy it. Right, right, right. And I remember the first time actually, I felt true joy, I misidentified it at first as like, like anxiety. Right? Mm, I, I didn't yeah. actually know it to be joy. Uh, it was like, what do I do with this <laughs> sense of freedom? Oh, my God, like, you know, like, what is this? Because I had been yeah. numbed out for so long. Right. Yeah. And, you know, the pointing out of the, you know, the either or good, bad, right, wrong, you know, that is, you know, another aspect of work that I en- like enjoy. <laughs> it sounds crazy, but I do enjoy doing personally um, is, you know, what's called shadow work, which is looking at the parts of myself that make me want to cringe mm. and bringing them out into the light and integrating them in as a whole, right? And it's a great quote. I think it's Carl Jung who says, I'd rather be whole than good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, and there's um, there's that piece too that I I love so much. And I, like you, can be like, what? You know, it's true. I, I love this kind of work because for me, those shadows, when we kind of dive into them and shed light on them, right? It's revealing kind of like what is wanting to belong to us. And almost where I call the space of where everything gets to belong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's another great quote that, you know, I've seen many times, and I, I don't know if it's Rumi, I think it's Rumi. And he says something like, out beyond out beyond 
good and bad, there's a field. I will. I know. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's actually also <laughs> one of my favorites. It's like, it just makes you go, ah, oh, there's yeah. actually a place beyond that. And we can meet each other in that place. And then we can have a different conversation. And so talk more about why this work with mothers and daughters. <laughs> Well, okay. So, you know, I have a mom. And for many, many years, it was difficult. It still is sometimes. And, you know, it went from being a very personal, very, you know, painful, suffering thing for me to being a source of freedom and autonomy and joy. And, you know, I think sometimes we look at, okay, like, oh, you know, her mother, or not my mother, but one's mother, you know, there, there are some really mm-hmm. horrible mothers out there, you know, women who have done unspeakable things to their children. And, you know, there are, I, I, you know, doing this work, I would never tell a woman that, oh, you're supposed to, you know, have a goal of being in touch with her. Like if, if you're no contact with her, your goal should be to like make up with her. That's not my, mm-hmm. that's not how I roll. Because for some people, you know, ha- ha- being disconnected that way from their mothers yeah, is the right thing. Mm-hmm. And, right, there's, you know, a whole, you know, shade, many shades of gray. But what's interesting to me is that the more I started to do my own work and heal my relationship with my mom, which at one time I didn't think I would ever see or speak to her again, but I have chosen to do that and it's the right thing for me. Um, I chose that as a way to grow. Again, just want to be clear that if you don't choose that, that doesn't mean you don't want to grow. But it was a way for me to do that. And so there's that the micro, right? It was me and my mom. And and I started working with, you know, other women about with their mothers. I wrote the books. A lot of it was practical stuff like, well, how do you have really good boundaries? How do you, you know, choose to think about her? Um, How do you become emotionally separate from her? I mean, you know, enmeshment is a psychological term that is often used in, you know, relation, you know, difficult mother daughter relationship. um, Because the you know, they're Mm -hmm, not there's no mm -hmm. differentiation there. Unhealthily, you know, connected. Um, Codependent, I guess is the word, right. And so those are, you know, that's some of the practical stuff. But the more I started to do the work and I started to see that, you know, why? Because it, it just like every, it seemed like every other person who I would talk to would say, oh, my mother, you know? And like, I was like, why? Because, you know, my my mother and her mother, it was the same thing. You know, I did, I've, you know, I've done lots of reading and there's a woman out there, her name is Bethany Webster, and she's done a lot of really great writing around what she calls the mother wound which is the pain of being a woman in a culture that doesn't mm-hmm. value women equally. And that pain gets passed down and passed down and passed down. And it, it's like what you were saying earlier, you know, women are burnt at the stake. They are stoned. They are, they have acid thrown in their faces, like all those things. Yep. Just for being themselves. Because being themselves, the, the definition of what's okay is so narrow. And so what happens is a woman then has a daughter and she's got 
centuries of history, you know, uh, cultural history in her DNA that says, you know, if my daughter doesn't fit the narrow definition, again, she's not conscious to this, but if the, if my daughter isn't fitting the narrow definition, right. she's going to be burnt at the stake. And so I have to protect her. And so that protection then looks like squelching, squeezing, you know, don't speak up. Don't wear that. All of the all of the things. Yeah. Don't wear that. Don't let yourself get raped. (laughs) You know, like all of that. And it's I I have to believe on some level that whether she's aware of it or not, Mm -hmm. doing that to her daughter hurts her because she knows deep, deep, deep inside that it's wrong. And I, I, again, like, this is very, you know, like my unprofessional, like, I'm not a clinician or anything like that. But I do believe that, you know, the personality disorders and the mental illnesses and the addictions, like all of that, that that can sort of make a mother daughter relationship worse, you know, comes from that. It's like, it's because there's, they've had to turn that inward, you know, and it poisons them. And so then what happens, right, is the daughter grows up and she is like, well, you know what? I think I want to be myself, you know, like things have changed. It's a different generation and I'm going to wear a miniskirt or I'm going to, you know, like whatever it is. And what can happen, again, unconsciously is the mother is then like, well, I didn't get that. I didn't get to be my true free self. And so, you know, she's jealous. And then that, you know, just adds another layer of poison. And it's the reason well, it which happens is, is yeah, because it's gosh, all the sh- Back to the shadow work you know, being again, just like, so powerful for this going, reason. Yes. Yeah. And and so, you know, I've had women, you know, say to me, oh, my mother's jealous of me and that's disgusting. I can't imagine, you know, that's just weird. I'm like, no, jealousy is like a normal human emotion, <laughs> right? We all have it. It's just that your mom isn't, you know, she doesn't know how to deal with it in a healthy way. What's coming up for me, you know, personally is, you know, these were some of the conversations, right? Looking at my own shadows that then led me to develop a sense of compassion for exactly what you're talking about, where you know, there were some things that were said or done that felt unforgivable until, you know, I was able to really look at my own shadow and my own kind of unresolved traumas and imagine, you know, what, even just thinking about my grandmother, who I didn't know very well. I think she passed when I was about nine years old. But what I do know is what I felt in my body when the two of them were in the same room, which was, which was a coldness, you know, there was not a lot of warmth in that space. And it, you know, it didn't occur to me to look at that kind of generational wound as being something that, yes, we absolutely unconsciously pass down. And I think one of the things that I'm loving so much about what I'm seeing get revealed in the world are all of these women 
like yourself who are breaking those generational chains and really doing the work. And I love that. In fact, I just posted something on Instagram because, of course, we just celebrated Mother's Day. And there was, you know, mm-hmm. you know, an image that was an art piece and I posted it and it was like the three generations, the mother maiden and the crone. And it was just this, you know, quote around a woman who does this healing work, not only heals herself, but heals her daughter and her daughter's daughter, but then the other way too, that there's actually a healing available for the mother and the mother's mother. And it really does create kind of this new paradigm, new possibility for generations moving forward. Yeah. And and the macro of it, you know, you were saying like when you were younger and you could sense this, you know, it's, it's so personal, right? We don't, we don't see it as though this is just the water that we're all swimming in. We see it as, oh, this is something wrong with my family. And, but the, the macro, right? I, and this is why the, the mother load project is so important to me is, you know, I think so many of us are walking around sort of like, okay, with the status quo, or maybe not okay with it, but we don't know what to do. Like, you know, how can I change? How can I you know, impact what's going to happen in the future. And I, you know, I, <laughs> I feel a little like naive when I say this, but hey, it's just who I am. I really do believe that, you know, it starts with us. And if I, when I am summoning emotion on purpose, I'm, and I'm doing it right this second, because I love doing it. And it's like, I can start to feel that sensation in my body that tells me things are changing. It's going to get better. And I don't mean like simple optimism. I, you know, because again, it's, it's belief that creates the sensation that then fuels me. And, you know, you know, I don't know about you, but like this whole, the whole quarantine thing. I have not been as creative as I've ever I've, I've been more creative in the past three. Four yeah, I've been watching you life. on like social media. And I'm just like getting such a kick out of it. Because that's <laughs> what you've been talking about is, you know, just feeling so like almost like an electric cord, like plugged into your, you know, creativity in a major way. And and it's like, I, and the more I do it, the more it's like, this is intentional. This isn't just happening. You know, sometimes it feels like, like I said, you know, I don't know what happened. Like, why now? And I guess it's okay to live in that mystery a little bit. But I also want to um, own it and say, you know what? This is not just a, a fluke. <laughs> this is this is the result of of the work I've done. It's the result of choosing to believe. It's the you know, it's the result of of summoning the fuel that you know, sends me forward to do these things. And I believe that I can, that the more women who model that, you know, the better. Because, well, and we're and not going yeah, back. we're not going back. And, <laughs> and again, this is where because you, you, you were, I want to kind of circle back and talk about this piece, because you were pointing to we know as women, one of the things that I think we're highly gifted, and in fact, like one of our gifts 
is this ability to intuit the world and that there's that intuition that tells us Mm -hmm. things that are always kind of below the surface. But again, we're taught to tune that out, right? And those are the things that really Mm -hmm. uh, tapping into that, tapping into our capability to summon an emotion intentionally and using, like you said, using that as you know, our birthright, um, and really disrupting this whole narrative around power and what it means in the through the lens of the patriarchy, and just, in fact, start to model what true power is, and also the power of us tapping into our emotions and our desires as good as Mm-hmm. natural as a complete extension of our God-given gifts, you know, to go back to that divine spark that we all carry within us. Like those yeah. are access points, what I call access points to the divine. Yeah. And, you know, I, you know, there's, um, you know, over the years I have, I don't even know how to say this, like, you know, you, you, you'll see somebody who's out there doing something and, and like, when I say this, I'm saying it not in a critical way, but that I guess in, in a way that the way that others have talked about this in the past, you know, and maybe still currently just never resonated for me. And when I'm, when I'm saying is that there have been times where like, you know, oh, this is about being a witch and, you know, that looking a certain way and we're going to dance around the fire at midnight. And, you know, that just never really appealed to me. No, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying that like, I just didn't, it didn't feel like an access point for me, mm-hmm. but I understood it. And then, you know, sort of the same thing with like, right. you know, divine goddess circle ceremonies and things like that, which I'm like, wow, that sounds really cool. But like, it doesn't resonate for me. Like I don't, <laughs> on some levels, I'm just a kind of a practical woman, uh, you know, in other ways I'm, people would think I'm like very woo woo. But I wanted to bring language agreed, yes, to what I think it's all the same thing. But it but it, it you know, it's not just for women who identify as witches or goddesses, right? It's for the average woman, it's for politicians, it's for CEOs, it's for all of us, you know, it's um, and it's not mysterious. It's no, and I was just saying this yesterday, secret, you know, like, it's, it's so it's sometimes <laughs> you have to experience what it's not for you to get closer to what it is for you. And, and I think what's true for me is that I too, right, it's like, with the return of kind of this conversation about the divine feminine, what I'm finding is that I'm having to really pay attention back to these sensations in our body, because I believe that when something really is true for me, it doesn't have to be true for anybody else. But if it's true for me, I feel this sense of resonance where in my body, where it's like, yes, that. And sometimes for me, and I had to find my own way with this, because it's kind of this idea of like, well, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Because 
the conversation of the goddess may hold a ton of resonance for somebody. And like you're saying, this idea of ceremony and like getting back to or reclaiming the witch, where I look at that as, you know, our power, women who are standing in their power and who are, you know, have a great knowledge of herbs and natural healing, right? And at one point, they were called witches, right? And it's like, and these are all access points. And for me, just like I think what you're right. saying is my version is kind of like this hybrid, like it's got a little bit of grit, it's got a little bit more grit to it, like it doesn't have a lot of, you know, powerful flowery words, but yet there's still this mm-hmm. sense of like, yes, this is a conversation about the the divine feminine, and us wanting to bring this conversation more into the light, it's been in the shadows, because it has been... God, what's the word for it? it? It's just really been, I think, feared. Uh, like, because again, going back to religion or patriarchy, right? It's like anything that showed women as having access somehow to the divine, we kind of go back to this conversation of like, or the predominant conversation, which is not necessarily a true conversation, which is that the Bible, you know, says that God is created in the image of man, you know, and that women, (laughs) right, it goes back to that whole story. So it's like disrupting all of these narratives and really coming, I think where we're at, our women are figuring out what does it mean to them? Right? Yeah. Yes, and necessary. Yeah. And it's and any of that is okay. Back to kind of the mother load and really wanting, um, because the way that I'm interpreting what you're doing too is that there's a structure around it, right? Like you're really highlighting, talk about that a little bit, the 20 women and what what do you hope for this uh, community that you're building? Like tell tell me kind of the nuts and bolts a little bit. Well, let me, I'll I'll explain that um, the concept of the community project. So if you're an entrepreneur, especially a woman over the past 15, 10, 15 years, you may have at one time or another been approached by someone you don't know who reaches out and says, oh my God, I love your work so much. I would love to have you sit on a panel. I'm doing a telesummit and um, I'm gathering 20, 50, however many people. And each person, you know, is going to speak about their thing and you'll have, you know, you'll have all these new people who will be listening to your message and et cetera, et cetera. And the first time this happened, I was so excited. And, you know, the woman asked me to get on the phone with her and I did. And we talked for half an hour and, I, and she was just like praising my work up mm. and down. And and then at the end, she's like, so how big is your mailing list? Ugh. And I told her and she was like, oh, I'm sorry, it's too small. <laughs> and, you know, over the years, I think it's sort of like, you know, there that that's a you know, they're, mm-hmm. that's used as a list building. It's a list building tool, right? The, the telesummit model. And, you know, in, in some cases, there's some, some of us who are, who, <laughs> what one friend of mine said, she's like, yeah, it's like, you ask the guy how big his mm-hmm. is and it's like, oh, sorry. Too small. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. After we just like, you know, told you how wonderful you are. You know, and some so many of those tactics have turned a lot of people off. And as I said last year, when somebody asked, a couple of people asked me to participate, be a participant in their community projects, they were very quick to say, you know what, this isn't about your list size. You don't have to, you know, send out 10 emails to your mailing list promoting it. You do just do what you want. And 
um, the woman behind this community project model is a woman named Ellie Trier. I just so love and admire what she has created. That, as I said earlier, that's why I decided I wanted to do one of these projects. And the way it works is, you know, as I came up with the theme and, you know, what I wanted the conversation to be about. And then I looked for women who, you know, I thought would make great contributors to this subject. You're one of them. Yay. <laughs> and, you know, the way it works is anybody who's interested in participating as, you know, to, to sort of partake of the conversation, not contribute. Well, everyone's going to contribute, but, you know, beyond the 20 women, you know, you sign up. Um, and in the month of June on weekdays only, not on the weekends, you'll get an email. Um, there'll be 20 total with either, you know, a written, the written story of one of these women. Some women are doing videos or audios. And, you know, they're sh it's going to be short. It's like sort of meant to be, you know, maybe, you know, in the morning with your cup of coffee, you read it or you watch the video. And then there's a going to be a private pop-up Facebook group where everybody can join and sort of like talk about, you know, this theme and, and having read the, you know, the stories that uh, from the contributor. So it's not like, you know, you sign up and then you're going to get like, you know, you have to pay for it or, you know, that there's going to be a paywall after a certain amount of time. None of that. It's just, you know, you'll get an email every morning with one woman's story and you can join the Facebook group and, you know, broaden this conversation. Let's move the needle on what it means to be a woman who is, you know, emotional, powerful and creative. I, I go back to, you know, it's so funny because I'm often right with the podcast especially it's it's so funny because for me it's this interesting dance my goal is to really reveal conversations similar to what you just said conversations that aren't being had enough that aren't being revealed and so the very nature of that is that you know this is not a celebrity circle where there's tons and tons yet of audience or women or and the women and the certainly that I'm interviewing right they have really really relevant and important things to say I'm not going to judge whether or not they're going to be a great guest based on what their audience size is. So it's really interesting because yeah. I think we all do have to decide as entrepreneurs based on what it is we're up to, which part of that kind of marketing, it, it's like we have to get ourselves mm -hmm. out there. And at the same time, going back to that resonance, there's certain things that resonate for me and you know, my other job is as a marketer. So it's like, there are some things that are just totally create this like, no, in my body, you know, around like, <laughs> I am not yeah. doing that. And so I love that. So it's really for you, it's about bringing this conversation more mainstream, getting more women to be exposed to it and more women talking about it. The heal as exactly, women, yeah. you know, and what I'm finding, especially in the time of COVID is that, you know, we're seeing even more and more women kind of finding their communities, their digital circles, you know, where they can really find their people, so to speak, and have the conversations that are important to them. And I, that is one disguised gift, you know, that I'm seeing over and over and over again in this 
you know, very strange and surreal time. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I, I, you know, the COVID, as far as the COVID is concerned, (laughs) the COVID, I, um, I mean, I've worked at home by myself for over 20 years. And so it really, that part, it's, you know, and I don't have children. So um, it's, it almost has been pretty much like my normal yeah. life. <laughs> yes, same for me, other than having my whole you know. family home with me. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, and, and, you know, and I, I also have become, you know, acutely aware that for women who do have children and who do have them at home, and, you know, are mothering and teaching and parenting and trying to do their own jobs. And wow, it's just more than ever needing, you know, as you said, the, their own digital communities, places where they can just sort of be um, without having without having it be one more thing. As you'd said, I am going to be part of the mother load, which I'm so excited about. And, you know, really wanted to also invite our guests to know where they can find you. So I'd love to have you just, where would you like them to learn more? Do you want to send them? I'll put links in the podcast too. Yeah, yeah. My, my website is kclanderson.com. And the project, which, you know, if you go to my website, you'll see at the, you know, across the top, it'll say the mother load. I think it says the mother load. I'm not sure if it says also community project, but, or you can just go to kclanderson.com backslash mother load. And that's L O D E. And I don't know, did we already kind of talk about the, the whole, uh, I know you and I talked about it before we got on the actual podcast, but where the origin of the name came from, because you spell it L O D E mother load. Yeah. So and I have to admit it, it's, I sort of came upon it by mistake. I mean, I was like, what am I going to call this, you know, and I started to look up phrases with the word mother in them. And when I saw the mother load, L-O-D-E, that is that sort of is the indication of, like, um, you know, it's used in the mining and ore, you know, industry, I guess it's, and so a load is like the principal vein of an ore or a mineral. And it's like, a, you know, like the rich source of that mother load is the rich source of that. And I just love that. And- I love that. Because it's, <laughs> again, it's like it's turning this this kind of, you know, what what has maybe for many women who are maybe listening, uh, who've had those really, really challenging relationships, right? It's like, that that perhaps could be a source of something rich that there that could be turned into something actually very valuable. Exactly. Uh, I love that. I just love that. Well, I, I can't wait to be part. And yeah, and for those of you who are listening, you know, I, I would love to extend an invitation. Please join us. Please join Karen. And of course, we'll have the links on the podcast. So I can't wait, Karen. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you, Monica. I just, uh, I adore you and I adore how you show up in the world and all the things that you're doing. And so to be part of it is just to have you part of mine and me be part of yours is I have those, I have those sensations in my body right now. <laughs> good. Well, we'll, we'll channel, we'll channel them together for the, for the highest of good. Awesome. Well, thanks again and more to be revealed. 
If you're someone who is interested in working with us in a deeper way, please visit our website to learn more about how you can begin the process of unbecoming and remembering. Please enter the code PODCAST in the checkout to take advantage of special offers on any of our online courses, workshops, or online monthly memberships. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information, please visit us at jointherevelation.com and be sure to download our free gift, subscribe to our mailing list, or leave us a review on iTunes. We thank you for your generous listening. And as always, more to be revealed.